Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. It's great to be together today, and, and a, uh, on this Father's Day, would a uh, happy Father's Day to each of our dads, and you know, for all of us, Father's Day, I think, is an opportunity, especially as we come to worship, just to pause and bask in this beautiful reality that our worship team's been leading us into, that we have a Father in heaven who loves us with the love that cannot be measured and I was reflecting on how John puts it in first John 1 3 where he says see what great and he's like look at this see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and then he says and that is what we are children of God think about our place in the father's heart and that he's given us that we often talk about a place around his table that there's a spot a chair at that table for you And the father said, what do you need? Ask me. And invites us to come to him in prayer and and know that he is faithful to meet our needs. And uh, what a gift that that we have in knowing the father through faith in Jesus Christ. And today, if you've come and you don't have a relationship with God through Christ, that's the gift that the the father offers today and invite you into, into that But we celebrate that today. Today is also an opportunity to thank and honor our earthly fathers for their love and leadership in our lives, isn't it? Just to pause and and reflect. And I I just was reflecting on my earthly dad. I'm so grateful for him, for uh, my father-in-laws, as well as my spiritual fathers. And in the family of God, there have been men who have poured into my life as a, a father that you look back and realize, wow. What a gift God has given us. I was thinking about as a family, we, uh, with kids, we're like, all right, what are our family values? And we had five values. Love God, love others, uh, work hard, family first, and enjoy life. All five of those are embodied in my dad. <laughs> so I look at, and I watched him live those out. And just, uh, and one example, one Father's Day highlight moment, he's a Hall of Fame dad and lots of stories that Rob could come up and, and tell some as well. But was that when, when, uh, you, okay, as a, as a dad, when your kid goes off to kindergarten, it's like that's, I, I always think about Psalm 127 for, you know, like arrows in the, the quiver of a warrior are kids born into to a family, right? And as dads, you know, when they go off to school, it's like sending that kid off. Um, Chad for us was our firstborn, and he's going off, and I'm thinking, yeah, warrior going off with, with a soul full of love to bless this world. And, uh, and I can, we still picture him, it was Pewaukee High School, where J.J. Watt and his brother went to school there in Wisconsin, but kind of like Danville, about that size, and so we let him off, buses are empty, and, and it's just a sea of kids, and there goes our little five-year-old warrior, just backpack on, almost as big as he is, but walking in there, and as he's disappearing into this sea of kids, I'm just like, go, and I drive off to work in the joy of all that, clueless to the reality that for a mom, this is one of the top. 10 toughest days of life <laughs> and so my dad who was a single dad at the time 
was uh, he was he loved going up to Door County, Wisconsin for vacation, but he dropped by our house for a couple days and hang out. Without saying anything to me, he he picks up my he saves my bacon, takes Tam out to Panera for a leisurely brunch, and then they go shopping for the rest of the day, and um, just blesses her and uh, get home from work and like your dad was so sweet this is what he did for me and it meant so much and the whole time I'm thinking wow and you know dad never came and said John come on man husband 101 you, you got to get this he didn't make me feel like a failure as a husband he just gently and lovingly picked up my slack and in doing so preached a message in compassion that I still think about and get motivated by as we go through those those uh, milestone moments. And so um, today, I, thinking about dad is also an opportunity for us as dads just to remember the high calling, responsibility, and an incredible gift that God's given us as our kids have no other dad but us. And what we say, what we do, there's a power to that in the lives of our, of our kids Two times in the life of Jesus, we hear his father speak to him. And I think it's significant. One's at the end of his life, the other is at the start of his ministry. But I think that the God wants us to, to learn something. There's a, a pretty big takeaway, I think, for dads in what we hear the father say to Jesus at the start, where he says, Mark 1, 9, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. So heaven rends. It, it, it torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. The Father blesses the Son. And I think in doing so, he leaves us an example or a template to follow. When a dad speaks of words of affirmation and words of blessing over their children, there's a, a unique power that I don't, I don't think any other person in, in that child's life has. And the template that, that the Father gives us here, I think, is one that we can implement and the first is, he says, you are my son. To say to our child, you are mine, it, it affirms identity and also belonging that we all long for. And to say, it, Jesse's uh, 21st birthday was this past week, and to say to her, Jess, if, if you lined up every girl on the planet and said, you can pick anyone to be your daughter, we told her, we would pick you again and again and again. You are ours. So Father says, you are mine. I'm so glad of that. And then, whom I love. This is assuming or assuring our children of our affection and our unconditional affection where it does not matter what decision they make, what mistake they make, what happens in the future. The love that I have for you is an unconditional, immeasurable, never-ending love. <laughs> And deep in the heart of every one of us, we wonder, am I really lovable? And what if I do that? And the, the Father says, there's nothing that will separate you from my love. And then for a dad to say, with you I am well pleased. This is affirming their shape, their, their uh, purpose in life, how God wired them, put them together. And 
and the good things that they're doing. Now, do we all have things to improve? Yep, and our dad's responsible to train up our children in, in uh, those areas, yep. But to the core, we dads are the ones that affirm the, the calling and the gifting, and we, we long for that. And to hear our father say, I'm proud of you, or I am pleased with you. And so, may I just encourage every dad to, uh, I, I think it's interesting. How old was Jesus when the father blessed him? He was 30. <laughs> you know? No, we need it when we're five and when we're going to kindergarten. We need it when we graduate high school and headed off to college. We need it when we're ready to get married and appreciate our, our kids' ministry team milestone moments. But I think we even need it when we're 30 years old and beyond. And so looking for opportunities just to bless and speak these words. If you haven't done this yet, may I encourage you to put it on your schedule and say, Father, I'm, help me to, to go bless my child um, as you have blessed me. And and I know there are some dads here today you are probably thinking, I've screwed up, I'm an idiot as a dad, and it's just better if I stay away from my family and whatever. And can I just encourage you, it's never too late to, to just start being a good, loving father. And we all make mistakes, but I, I think our kids long for our love and our leadership. And so, and to all the dads, as I look out, seeing you guys, um, well done keep on keeping on and I have to say this to all the moms thank you for making I was thinking you know even on Father's Day any good moment that I've had as a dad probably has its root in the fact that I have a great wife who makes family a lot easier for me to be a good dad <laughs> so could we have all our moms stand as well no, <laughs> all right well let's uh, dig into our text today today's text is significant in that okay we've been in Colossians chapter 3 which I love to call the everyday creed it's so applicable to following Christ in our everyday life but what we come to today is really front I'll call it front porch kind of truth where we okay we've got we're equipped last week we put on the character of Christ the clothing of Christ today is about going out into our our life into our world and living together as the body of Christ living out the mission that God has given us. So it's like, here we go, out the front door, into everyday life as a team. And this is really important. God created us as, a, as his kids to live as members of a body. We are the body of Christ. Meaning, it's like when the big toe hurts, it's going to affect the whole body. We, we've, we need each other. We are interdependent. But here's the challenge. How do we live together in unity, accomplishing the good that he called us to do, when we have three significant issues? One is we will have interpersonal conflicts. We're going to hurt each other. We're, we're just going to rub each other wrong. There's going to be these conflicts that come up. These threaten to separate us. No one likes conflict. Second, we have a variety of personal opinions everybody's thinking different has all these opinions and that can create division and disunity and third we all have a residue of selfish ambition in our soul where we're living for our name and we'll even step on somebody else to get ahead and, and it, it taints our motives and, and it, it can create disunity and division how do we follow Christ unified doing the good that, that he's called us to do. Today's text gives us three imperatives to pack with us that will help us um, live with unity together as we follow him and do good, and one attitude that's to permeate and saturate all of these imperatives. So 
three imperatives to pack one attitude that, that will saturate these imperatives. So if you would join me in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, and you may try to see if you can find, circle these imperatives in your own text. They're pretty clear, but the first one starts out, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace, and be thankful. Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So how do we navigate our interpersonal conflicts? We'll start there. The first big issue as we seek to follow Christ together. First imperative, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So that's imperative one. Now, review, we'll review this whole verse. Verse 16 says, or 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. So that word rule is significant. It's the idea of, they use this even in ancient days in Greek games and what have you, of it's what the umpire would do, do in officiating a sports event or and especially deciding conflicts and and things like that. So I immediately thought of our first day of softball and coming up here in a couple weeks, picture that softball field at Ellis Park and picture Bill Bennett rounding third, all right? And he just gave a hearty laugh. <laughs> Maybe this is years past, but, but we're gonna say it's this year. He's, he's rounding third on his way to home and he's got that look in his eye. And Don is on the sidelines praying, oh no, don't do it, Bill, don't do it. But he does it. As he's coming home, it's close, he stretches out for a head-first dive into home plate. Justin Legan from center field rockets a throw. Matt Drakowski catches it, tags Bill. Surely he's out, but the umpire says, safe. Well, Matt, <laughs> as always, I mean, what do we expect? But Matt Drakowski, competitive brother, nice, nicest guy you ever met, but competitive brother, turns around to the ump, and he has another opinion. And he's about to open his mouth when... Let the peace of Christ rule. Isn't that a cool thought? Like the umpire in our soul is the peace of Christ. It's what he's given us. It's not like we have to work this up or anything. The peace of Christ is present with us. You say, okay, what is the peace of Christ? Um, or, or first, let's start with, or, or we'll start, yeah, what is the peace of Christ would be a question. Now, this is kind of a general term. We know when... God has given us, Jesus came to, to give us peace. He said, John 14, 27, my peace I give you. But what's he talking about? Three categories. There's peace with the Father, our justification. There's peace within, where uh, the Philippians 4 and, and the peace that helps us through tough times that, that rules in our hearts. I think that that's not the intent of this text. The peace that he's talking about is the peace that brings interpersonal harmony. Based on the context where he says, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Why should we let the peace of Christ rule in our heart? That his leading to, that, that will bring peace and harmony in our relationships and resolve the conflicts. It's because this is what we were called to and we are members of one body. The great truth that stands behind this imperative is this. Guys, 
The reason you got to work through the conflict is because that person that you're mad at, it's the body of Christ. That's him. And you can't just like get mad and go to another church. The body's still fractured. You can't stonewall and silent treatment and say, okay, the body's fractured. That's his body. Do you love Christ? Then you will let the peace of Christ rule. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to work through the conflict, but it's in that that God does his work and brings reconciliation, harmony, so that we can do the good he called us to do. We, we, if, if the big toe, I, I've been nursing a big toe this week, crazy. I always get mad at the running backs that get turf toe and they're like out for a game because you have turf toe. I'm like, ah, just suck it up and put, rub some dirt on it and play. Until this week I got a, uh, my toenails back a little bit and I've been... <laughs> I put a, uh, I couldn't find a band-aid, so I wrapped duct tape and gauze and all that, neosporin, and it's working. But, but, you know, that toe matters, and so it is in the body of Christ. All right, we, uh, as we follow Jesus, how do we navigate our interpersonal conflicts? When so-and-so rubs you wrong, when the conflict happens, hear God saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I, I think a practical way of this is just praying, Lord, what would you have me do in this situation? And picture him as your umpire. And then when he says, need to do this, need to do that, all right, I'm, I'm down with that. Let the peace of Christ rule. Next issue is personal opinions. How do we stay unified in the midst of all these different thoughts and opinions that we all have? Verse 16 says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. The second imperative here that, that helps us stay unified in the midst of our personal opinions is simply this, let the message of, of Christ dwell among you richly. How do we follow Jesus unified as his body when everybody thinks so differently? <laughs> you know, how in the world are we going to stay unified in a, and especially in our current cultural toxic division of a, uh, you, you know, where we're living? How do we stay unified? And, and isn't this beautiful, you guys, as a team? Let the mess, and it's literally, the word message is lagos. And it's that the word of Christ is the idea. Where, where What did Jesus say? Let this dwell among you richly. It's keeping the main thing the main thing, which is his message, his word. And, and so we, uh, the message of Christ, say so what, what exactly is that? As I mentioned, it's the Lagos, the sum total of his revelation to us, who he is, how he calls us to live. It's interesting that word dwell is, means to uh, take up residence or just be permanently moved in to our conversation and to our interactions with each other. So isn't that a great picture? When we get together that we would just often be thinking, and I've often thought, wouldn't it be great if all of us could just say, hey, what, what word are you living on lately? You know, what's God given you? Um, and we just talk about the message of Christ. And the word of Christ is to dwell among us. How? It says richly. So what's that mean? Well, it, it means 
a lot versus a little. It's to be just the emphasis, the theme of our, our conversation and our interactions with each other. Why is this so important? Why is it so important that we let the message of Christ dwell among us richly? Spiritual maturity, becoming fit like Christ, becoming like Christ, or we, we say teleon, the f- spiritual fitness happens by only one means. And that is as we ingest his word and live it out. As we know his word and live it out. As we hear him and uh, get to know him through his word and, and we live it out. And so, here he's saying, all right, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Now, I, when, he, when I say Lagos and the message of Christ, it's like, okay, where do we begin? There's a lot here. Where do we begin? And aren't you thankful Jesus sums it up for us? <laughs> take the law, take the prophets, take it all. And it hangs on one command, which is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love one another as I have loved you. And then he says, a new command I'm giving you. So, All that we know about him leads to this. This is how we live out. Spiritual maturity looks like this. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. That's the message of Christ. To respond to the love of God and then to extend the love of God to those around us. That's the core of it. This is how we glorify him. So the question is, how do we do this? How do we let the message of Christ of Christ dwell among us richly and we see two ways in this text the first is as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom so to teach is to explain to lay it out nuts and bolts I always picture it's like coaching basketball with uh, where you've got a great coach that's just showing you how to set the pick and you know um, move and, and it's patient teaching but it's this is how you do it this is how you follow Christ who he is and how we follow him the word admonish is the word where this is the coaching role where when the game's on and the player's not doing it right, you call him over and say, hey, that was not it. <laughs> we had to change. And it's the negative side, teaching is more of the positive, but both are important. And with all wisdom. So this is the idea of, um, you know, as we understand how uh, wisdom is truth uh, applied to our everyday life. And in your circumstance, this is what it looks like. And we help each other in this what a gift to be part of a community where we're living close enough and there's grace enough that we're open to being taught and admonished and we're able to do that for each other this isn't like there's a a teacher that's got it all together this is what we're doing for each other teaching and admonishing one another and then the second way that we let the message of christ dwell among us richly is seen there in the second part which i think a better translation than the niv is is that to start with the singing part. Where we, how do we do this? Singing to God with gratitude in our hearts through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And so simply to, to sing to God with gratitude in our hearts in these variety of genres. <clears throat> I was thinking about this this week and why we do what we do as we worship. That you know, every once in a while, you, you, I catch a, a hint of someone I'm saying, you know what, I kind of, just so I'm there before the message type of deal, <laughs> or, uh, you know, the singing's kind of warm up to the, the message or the preaching. But do you know, God is very clear here. It's not the preach, preaching, teaching, and then singing is to support all this. 
we let the message of Christ dwell among us through our singing, through our song, and God through his spirit has given the church songs to sing so that his message would dwell among us richly. God does a work in our hearts through music in a way that nothing else um, does that work. And I so appreciate Wes and our uh, worship team leading us into this, but really, what a gift. God created music so that one of the purposes is that we might, the, uh, the word of Jesus Christ might take deep root in our psyche, in our hearts, minds, spirits, so that we might grow to maturity in him. And so um, this is a priority as we, as we come to worship. We also live in a neat day, don't we, where we can share our playlists and um, it was like Spotify, you know, you can look at other people's playlists and learn what songs are um, pumping them up to, to let the message of Christ dwell among them richly and what a gift God has given us. So how do we stay unified, follow Jesus together when uh, we're threatened by personal opinions and everybody has this opinion, that opinion, hey, as a church, we're locked in on the message of Christ and we can have our opinions but the main thing is the main thing and that is what Christ taught us and what, what we find in the word of God all right <clears throat> on to the third issue that we face how do we stay unified as a team um, as we go out to do the good God called us to do as we process through our the residue selfish ambition that's in our hearts I was thinking you know how gas has a percentage of, it's like no gas that you pump into your car is completely pure. It always has a percentage of other stuff. And so it is, I was thinking my own soul. Um, I look back and I'm like, oh boy, I, I hope I'm growing in this, but there seems to be always some self-interest or selfish ambition. And where there is selfish ambition, you can track it. That's where the conflict is. That's where the, the, the disunity is in my life. So how do we, um, in the midst of our selfish ambition and processing through that, stay unified? And here we see the final imperative addresses this in verse 17. He says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Imperative number three, do it all, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. As we read this, you, you can feel the all-encompassing urgency, can't you? Whatever you do. So we're going out the door tomorrow morning. We're doing life together. Everything we do, what we say, our actions, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it brings us to the question, what does that mean really? And again, that's kind of a vague, okay, I kind of get it. I should do everything to honor God. But what exactly does it mean to do what I do, say what I say, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And here it is. It is going to do life, relying on the power of Christ in his name, I live. It's going, living for the glory of his name, not my name. And it is going, doing life the way he would do life. So living like him in his name, in the name of Jesus, we go. In the Roman world, one of the ways the supreme leader would communicate with all the colonies and everybody out there was through a herald. And I keep thinking of uh, at the uh, Herald family, <laughs> church family we love, but, uh, and who are great uh, ambassadors and, and messengers of, of the gospel. 
but this was a, a, you were a herald of the king and it was a highly respected position but also something you were trained to do from the time you were young and um, because you were representing the will of the king and so you would uh and when you were trained up and and trusted with a message from the king you would be sent out and when you showed up in a town you came under the king's authority with the king's resources with the king's power that's you that's me going in the name of the lord jesus king of the universe child of god can i remind us who we represent (laughs) and in whose power we go where paul says to timothy god did not give us a spirit of timidity but of power and of love and of self-discipline you we go in the name of the lord jesus king of the universe huge calling but also we go when that herald would show up in a town it wasn't to be like hey the herald is here no the purpose of that herald was simply to duck and point to the king and say the king has a message and the a successful herald disappears in light of the king's message and so it is for us we don't live for the glory of our name but for the glory of his name in the name of the lord jesus i don't come in the name of john mcdougall i hope you forget that name but i hope you remember the name of the lord jesus is how we live and then third when we come in the name of jesus we come with a a uh, rightfully representing him in tone and in message and we know that tone and message is the love of god poured out to his people through christ this imperative i don't know if you can feel this but it turns ordinary days into something touched by the divine doesn't it like when you walk out of today we go everything we're saying and doing is in the name of the king of kings lord of lords lord jesus so that it's not just designing widgets selling widgets making widgets, fixing widgets. You know, whatever we do, we're doing this as worship to Him, serving Him, and it brings meaning and purpose and significance to our everyday life where all of life is worship. As we do life together as family, as we recreate and um, create and do all the things that we enjoy doing, we get to do that in the name of the Lord Jesus the, uh, this, so thinking through, or just summarizing then, three imperatives. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. And then let the name of Christ be um, what, what we live for, through, and, and by. Uh, one of the things that may help stick this in your mind, that it's a familiar thing that we've talked about, that it's by his power, for his glory, with his love, as we live in his name. BHP, uh, BHP, FHG, WHL. By his power we live, for his glory we live, and with his love we live. All right, now we come to the, uh, the little big thing. There's one more thing in this text that just hit like a drumbeat. Did you notice it? That's significant. And it's six times we see this in the letter of Colossians, three times in this text we covered today. Anybody see it? Shout it out. Yes! I heard that come from back there, but Tim's, Tim said it as well. That was crazy. <laughs> the, uh, look at this, the scripture here. 
here. We'll go ahead and put this up. First, it's in the imperative. As we celebrate or we let the peace of Christ rule and he brings us into harmony with each other, we have reason to be thankful. Be thankful. This is just let this be what we are. And then as we let the message of Christ dwell among us and we're singing, it's with grateful hearts. I loved our time of worship this morning. And as we continue, it's just hearts overflowing with gratitude. And then as we do whatever we do in the name of Jesus, living as his representatives, we find ourselves, what? Giving thanks to the Father because of uh, all that we have in Christ. A takeaway or a, an action step out of this would be, I don't know if you have in your daily meeting a, some gratitude starters, but I found it helpful to have 10 gratitude starters that just get me thanking the Lord each morning, and I'll come back to them on occasion and uh, just groove them, but it's like, okay, I'm eternally safe, eternally loved. I'm alive when I was dead, free when I was a slave. I have a beautiful future and unimaginable beauty awaiting me. I have the presence of Christ walking with me today. I've been given victory over my greatest enemy, which is my sin and and pride. I've been adopted into a family with 10,000 fathers and mothers. I've been given a purpose worth waking up and going today. And today holds a gift. Today, June 20, holds a gift. It's like this little package that my Father in heaven has stashed out somewhere, waiting for me to discover and enjoy with him. And I already know what my gift is today. My wife is making homemade pizza. It's like that. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It's just like, does the Father enjoy it when you enjoy that gift? Yeah. So what's yours? And then in that moment, we're just like, Father, thank you for this pepperoni pizza. And so bringing it all together, how do we stay unified as a team of Jesus followers as we navigate our interpersonal conflicts, our personal opinions, and our selfish ambition? And what a gift God's given us in this text. Three imperatives to pack, saturated with the attitude of gratitude. I don't know if you feel the hope coming out of this, but like, this is God's gift to us. His peace to rule our hearts. His word to dwell among us among us richly, and then that we get to live every word and every action in the name of our Lord Jesus. So the image that keeps coming to my mind this week happened a couple weeks ago, and it was the picture of these beautiful young ladies, one of which is our daughter, Jessie, but they were, we launched them to Guatemala, and thank you for your prayers and um, um, asking about them. They're doing great, but it was this moment we were in the, this beautiful atrium at the India airport, and um, these girls are, I don't know if they have any selfish ambition in them, but I'm guessing maybe there's just a, like a dash. <laughs> and they get along great, but I'm guessing there'll be a moment on this seven-week you know, journey that they're going to have interpersonal conflicts. And I know they all have opinions. And how are these girls going to go do the good that God called them to do and stay unified in doing it? And so the picture that stuck in my mind is this next one. They're walking off under concourse a and we're all parents are all standing there just and again for me it's a psalm 20 4 moment go girl go girl yeah what we don't see in this picture was it was memorial day there were soldiers all around them in fatigues 
And, and I was thinking, one, Lord, you go with them. They, they, like, you're walking with them. They're, they're fine. But who's more powerful? Those soldiers or these girls? There's no, no contest. They go as in the name of the Lord Jesus, representatives of the King of Kings. Soldiers are powerful too, and they go in his name too, assuming they know him, and no disrespect to my military brothers and sisters. But isn't that a cool picture? But what's going to keep them unified? The peace of Jesus Christ. The word of Jesus Christ dwelling among them richly. And then that they would go in word and deed in the name of Jesus Christ. And if they do, they will stay unified and do the good that God called them to do representatives of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so it is for you and for me as we walk out those doors today, into your life today, same thing, on mission for our Lord. Amen? Amen. And today again, if, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, have not received the gift of salvation and responded to His love, I want to invite you into that relationship. It means turning from our sin and, and life, doing life on our own and surrendering to the will of God. Giving our heart to Him, saying, here's my life, present and eternal. I trust you as my Savior. And responding to this incredible truth that Jesus died on the cross for our sin, paid our sin debt in full, so that through faith in Him and His work on the cross, our sin is forgiven, our future is beautiful as we enter a, an eternal relationship with the living God. Experience His peace, live by His word, and walk in His name. You join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word to us today and just how it uh, instructs us, encourages us, and inspires us to spend this day for your glory. And I thank you for each my brothers and sisters here today, Lord, and just pray that you would help us to go unified, allowing your peace to rule, your word to dwell among us richly, and that we would go in word and deed, representing you well. And Lord, we're thankful, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.